1: Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. I, I, I. Talk is
2: Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And the rock and roll is back, baby. Fozzie Save the World starts September 2nd in Columbus, but we've got a few festival appearances happening before then. You get all your tickets and information at Fozzerock.com. Come out and rock with Fozzie uh, July 14th in Iowa City at Wildwood, then July 15th at Cadott, Wisconsin at Rockfest. We're playing that day with Rob Zombie, Anthrax, and Steel Panther. Then 717 July 17th in Jacksonville at the Mothership in uh, uh, Daly's Place, Taco Festival. And then we got uh, August 7th in Sheboygan at Brat Days, also with Anthrax, and I believe Rob Zombie as well. And then our own headlining tour starts uh, September 2nd, Columbus. The third is Joliet, Illinois. The fourth is Belvedere, Illinois. The, f- uh, the f- sixth... Kansasville, Wisconsin; the ninth, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania; uh, and the uh, September tenth at the Blue Ridge Rock Fest in the Virginia. Lots more gigs uh, continuing along from there and all the way until October 9th in Orlando. We'll be joined uh, uh, by Through Fire, Royal Bliss, and Black Satellite and Zero Theorem on select dates. It's going to be a great time back on the road. And, of course, the Fuzzy VIP experience is back as well. It's the best VIP your money can buy. We do uh, a mini concert for you guys, playing songs you're not going to hear later that night, give you a meet and greet, sign whatever you want. Tickets available for that at fozzyrock.com. As well, and don't forget to check out the new video for Sane. We are at a million views. Oh, yeah, a million views, man, on my YouTube channel in a short period of time. So, check that we filmed it on a roller coaster in uh, Holiday World, which is uh, in Santa Claus, Indiana. We rode that roller coaster six times, (laughs) no CGI effects or, or stunt doubles. Uh, involved in that It was a crazy day of Filming So check that out uh, People are talking about it The Saints going to Win some awards Speaking of winning awards get got the Winnipeggers On my YouTube channel as well New episodes every Thursday On Facebook and YouTube All about mistaken identities This week uh, So come have a drink And laugh for the Winnipeggers Always having a great time And always fun Speaking of great times Evil Uno and Stu Grayson From the Dark Order Make their talk As Jericho debut today They're will about Bringing the gimmick to AEW Why it almost failed In the early days of Dynamite Dynamite and how the Exalted One, Brody Lee, made it one of the most over factions in the company. You hear what they knew and when about the Exalted One's arrival and what it was like to watch it on TV from their homes in Canada after they were stuck there during the lockdown in the early days of the pandemic. They talk about Brody and all he did for them in the Dark Order. Stu and Uno also explain how they started tagging together back in Montreal, what Sami Zayn had to do with their Super Smash Brothers gimmick, how they met and befriended the Young Bucks at Ring of Honor, and when they Knew that AEW was the real deal, so it starts right here, right now. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson on Talk is Jericho. All right, so we're here uh, in uh, in Jacksonville. We always have a couple days off in between pay per view and TV, so it's a good time to catch up with some of the brothers. And uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson are here, and we had a hell of a day yesterday when we actually played uh street hockey. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Doctor Luther and uh, Jamie, one of their camera guys, organized this tournament and like. I woke up this morning. I could hardly get out of bed.
3: My calves are rock hard right now. I've never had that hard of a yeah. calf workout. My
1: ankles are just about to give up on me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Stu was in net with the Jeez. with the pads on. Yep. When's the last time you played goalie?
1: Uh, I must have been in high school. So it must have been like, like 17 or 18 years ago that I... Yeah, goalie has been a long time. It's been at least a decade for me since last time I played hockey.
2: I, I think the same. Yeah. Like I remember playing with my son when he was little. But you're just in the driveway. But playing a full-on game... I forgot how hard it is because it's not like skating where you can stop on a dime. Like we have to run past guys and slowly slow down. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it was just terrible. It made me
3: realize that I I love hockey, but the part I really like was the skating because I (laughs) sucked yesterday. Yeah, just running
1: on asphalt, like you don't realize how much impact there is on your knees, and it's like, oh my god, it's a you. You're reminded very quickly, (laughs) it. Jesus.
2: But it was fun, though, and it was good camaraderie, yeah. which is, is is cool, especially, like, you know, like, I worked at WWE for years. We never had a street hockey tournament. Mm-hmm. You would do some things, but there's kind of a real cool – family's a little bit too much, but there really is a, a great kind of gang vibe yeah. in AEW. like There's a, an actual, like,
3: a, like, effort by everyone to yeah. try and, like, befriend each other, especially, like, from the production team and the camera crew. Uh, from what I was told where they worked previously or or in other sports organizations in general – they don't really get to talk to talent that's mm-hmm. on the show you know here it's great we uh, family is maybe too strong of a word but like it's great that i know every single person's name and like i'm i've befriended every single right. person yeah there's works. a surprising so,
1: amount of people who go out of their way to know each other talk to each other yeah. learn about each other and that's really cool
3: and they re- mm. they
2: really went all out with this hockey game Yeah, commentary, commentary. commentary. we had a drone <laughs> they had a <laughs> drone <laughs> filming <laughs> Refreshments and the the, the sound speaker, like music playing, yeah. but it was it was a great time. But but that's really cool because once again talking about AEW, it's funny because there were so many guys that I didn't know a lot about from wrestling in WWE for so many years. I didn't really know what was going on in Ring of Honor or whatever it may be. And 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 Uno and, and Grayson are two of the guys that I didn't really know about. And here we are a year and a half later, and we know each other from AEW. But I still don't really know your past, mm-hmm. you know, as 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 the Super Smash Bros and all that other stuff. So it's cool to to get a chance to learn about this. And I guess my first question would be, did you come up with the original idea of the Dark Order because you couldn't be Super Smash Brothers? Did somebody own the copyright uh, or something? Or? Yeah,
3: so Super Smash Brothers is actually like a copywritten name. It's the name of a video game owned by Nintendo. Oh, so okay. like we were always we were always kind of towing the line. Uh, assuming that one day as the Smash Brothers, Nintendo will come knocking at the door and told, <laughs> tell us to change it.
1: Which is why also in the last few years before becoming Dark Order, we changed to just SSB oh, to yeah. try to you know, yeah. avoid know we, we, <laughs> we thought
3: we were real smart at the time. <laughs> yeah, real
1: clever here. Yeah, uh, but the,
3: Yeah, Dark Order was uh, essentially when we came to AEW or when we signed our contracts, uh, we knew we couldn't be called the Smash Brothers and so uh, we had a discussion with Tony about what names we should be called, and from the long list of things, the one we all universally liked the most was Dark Order. It was very simple and straight to the point at the time. Uh, and then just the character stuff was, we were kind of doing the, the cult uh, minion stuff on the independence. so I, I had been running a school and all my students would wear masks and walk me to the ring and I would sit on them and I would use them as weapons and they would take of the bumps for me so like when we came here we had told them that that's what we were actively doing now and we kind of tweaked it for television by making it more Scientology based and making it more about recruitment and so on
2: what was some of the other ideas that you had for names besides dark order do you remember
1: Uh, man I had a list on my phone but deleted it recently (laughs) we had some really wild uh, yeah well uh, the the, the, when we came up with the name was just one night he just Texted me like, "Hey, we need to have a list of names to send them like tomorrow tonight or yeah. tomorrow," and I just, "All right." I was watching like TV and during commercial, I was yeah. just like, "All right, Dark Order, Black Order, New Order, Disorder." Yeah. I was just coming up with just yeah. Nightfall, uh, just about anything I could come up with, and then I we we send the the list, and Dark Order was our both our favorite. Hmm. So when we send them uh, the list and they they went with it, I was like, "Oh, great!" because I was. Pretty much, our there, there was one. definitely there a bunch were of dumb ones. There
3: had to be because we had sent probably fifty names. I guarantee, fifteen of them I would
1: have been unhappy had they been
0: chosen.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like we
1: throw a bunch of yeah. stuff and we're like, I really it, hope they go for this one. <laughs> it's
3: funny because Chaos Project is called Chaos Project, and I'm sure that was one of the ones we suggested. really yeah. fairly certain. There was a few pro- like we were always using Order or Project at the end. Like I thought like one was like Nazareth Project. I was just trying to find like Devil names and adding them to Project and stuff. And Chaos was just. A very simple one. So.
2: yeah <laughs> it's funny too because uh, when you think about how the dark order has has progressed from the start because we talked to us a little bit when 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 we talked about brody's passing but and i want to talk more about the super smash brothers but now that we're in the dark order time when it first started it was just you two guys Correct. and then basically whoever was around to be kind of the minions yeah. right so you yeah. we would call them just locals mm-hmm. And that kind of led to some 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 problems in the early oh, yeah. Yeah, times, they, right?
3: Yeah, because the, whatever they did was attached directly to us. And it's uh, Dean is the the person who had kind of opened my eyes. Uh, Dean Malenko. Yeah, about like two or three TVs, and he's like, he's like, you really need to take care and make a hundred percent certain of everything these yeah. people do because whatever they do, it doesn't matter if they reflects bad on them. They're not coming back. You're the one sticking around, mm-hmm. and. And the honestly, the first few months, those those mistakes really uh, really put a down. It really hurt us. Yeah, it yeah. really hurt us. Uh, mm. I mean, at least uh, as far as like image and stuff. Yeah.
2: And what it, were some of the? Oh, sorry, Stu.
1: No, no. no well, I, I was going to pretty much go the way you were about to. Yeah. Some of the problems were like, even though we would talk to them over and over again, so like how to make the human throne, uh, what to do. Like we would ask them, Hey, are you trained? Yes. How long have you been wrestling? this amount of time, can you throw a punch and a kick? Yes, no, then choke, do. And then I suppose most of them were not being fully honest because once they were in the ring, it could be stress, it could be just about anything really, you're on live TV, but then what they said to us, what they could do was not the reality. (laughs) And then when we would see them punch the floor, uh, walk around and trip, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I I should have asked, can you walk properly? Yeah. Can You you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. But some of them were too nervous to say, oh, I'm really green. Right. Because they wouldn't want to be cut it's out. It's a chance to be on TV. To, right. Exactly. And I understand that, but you've got to be honest because if one of them would have said, oh, I'm really nervous, I'm really green, hey, don't worry. We'll get you in the back. You don't have to do much. We just need people. We need numbers. Yeah, you know, we'll We'll make it work. But some of them were not completely honest. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You can see that too. Like even we're just talking, we had the the exploding cage, cage exploding bomb death match on the on the weekend, and it was an amazing match. Which Of course, had the, yep. the the bombs were kind of underwhelming. Not the guys in the rings' of fault. No, right? at all. And I remember you mentioned the, the 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 punching, the famous punching thing that was kind of like. Almost the the death knell of the dark Road. Yeah, time. we thought
3: yeah. we thought we were done after that. To be yeah. honest, yeah, because yeah. there
2: was a guy that came in the ring and was well, you guys at a massive beat down. He was punching Dustin Rose, but he was punching like, the mat beside oh, his head. He was punching a mile
1: head. away yeah. from Dustin. It wasn't. And
2: I was like, it's not Stu and Uno's fault. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy was in obviously over his head, but why would he ever say no? He wants to be on TV, of and that's because I, I remember saying to somebody, we got to get some guys that their job is they work here for us. And they're dark order guys. Yes. We can trust them. It's like when, when the Godfather had his hoes and then they started taking bumps and that's when they had Victoria as like she was there every week no mm-hmm. matter what. So at least you knew you had one ho. You can guarantee who knows what to do. You know, and then that's kind of something that you guys needed. Cause, so tell, how you tell us about that night. How, that, how, how did that make you guys feel in the aftermath of that?
3: I mean, even on the lead up, we were a little nervous because originally that wasn't what was planned. We didn't know we were going to end the end of dynamite the last dynamite of the year on right. this big beat down on all the faces and uh so when we came in that day they told us that was the plan and we were really nervous because at that point we weren't really a hot act uh we, we were st- felt like it was not a good spot yeah for us to do. we were really growing at the at that point and we thought okay well like if we if we're given a couple more weeks to kind of build this up this could work we never consider ourselves a, a, a main event angle at, at that time, point in time you know right, like yeah. we we tried recruiting marco and we had tried recruiting christopher daniels we had no interactions with the top and we had no real surprise at that point we our original plan and this was on our pitch i was like let us have uh, the losers on your shows the people that you're already showing are losing so that's why we were getting alex and john because they had lost a minute on the first two shows of uh, dynamite i said. If you give them to us, then we can guarantee people that know what they're doing. Yes. And then on top of that, they can have matches that are longer than minutes, show who they are, uh, and it it would help us. Uh, But we had no great reveal other than that. We were only slowly building. So we weren't very happy with the segment happening to begin with. And then on top of that, when it was all said and done, we knew the reaction was kind of flat. And then we knew as soon as we came to the back. Your phone's blowing up. Mm. It pick, they, they picked up on all the side stuff instantly. Yeah. Um, most of the the local guys just didn't seem to understand that camera is on no at all times. Exactly. You don't know what they're going to cut In to. over their head, for exactly. sure. Exactly.
1: And another part of that segment that was bad is that everything we had told them to do, they didn't.
3: Yeah, they mm. mistimed a lot they of our timing. Just about everything. So like any the, of our interactions
1: with people running in were yeah, we'll it was cut crazy. short, or mm, because yeah. the the main idea was that Uno and I were. I think we were standing outside the ring. I was
3: standing. You were in
1: the ring. Yeah, yeah. and so the way it was going is that every single time a baby face would come in, he would bump the creepers, you know, the mask guy, as if they were nothing, because that's what they were, pretty much nothing. Yeah. And then I would come in and get the star down. Bam. And then they would pile on him. Right. Then the next one comes in. I see him bump people around and bam, I put him down. And then every single time, one like Kenny would come out. Cody, I never even reached them. They would just swarm them. By them. the time Aww. I was in there, they they were swarmed by like by 10 creepers. These guys were just beating the living piss out of Kenny and Cody. And I was like, get – out of like what are you doing <laughs> why are you hurting the stars like that was my job oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i could yeah. not believe it so when we came
3: back i was like oh we thought this we were done too because we were supposed to have a follow-up to that which was on the first show of january and they had cut us entirely from it mm-hmm. and then they cut us from the next couple weeks too so like that's always the worst feeling yeah, too. yeah. at that point you're like well and that, we've had a lot of uncertainty throughout the year of AEW, and that was one of those moments where i was like well this we're done. I don't think we can come back but uh to to uh tony's uh to tony's credit uh he he thought of the exalted one hook right away and someone
2: that was kind of the higher yeah. power exactly and so we had exactly. something
3: to at least gear towards and honestly that that really uh that helped us tremendously because we
1: finally had a direction mm. before that no, right, right, it was right. just hey you guys need to grow towards what yeah. Yeah, yeah like what are we supposed to do okay we're the bad guys, but then what yeah. and in the end like even us like we wouldn't even th- we didn't think of ourselves as the bad guys because we're the cult like we're the good guys here yeah, yeah. And, our but we we had so much to play with but had no direction so when the exalted one came in we were like oh finally we have a purpose yeah, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah and that and that you're right because and the one thing i really like about our show is that everybody gets a chance here yeah. like we don't just have guys and, and just put them on for no reason it's very structured as to no matter who you are, you're getting TV time and getting some semblance of a story. And it's cool that Tony kept forging to head with this because look what it did grow into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to this day, one of our o- most overacts on the show is the whole Dark Order act and all the different stories and, and stuff like that included mm-hmm. in it. On December 23rd or whatever it was in 2019, you probably weren't thinking that. No, oh, no. <laughs> no definitely
3: not. Uh, it, it, at the end of 2020, which unfortunately was the... the mr brotherly memorial show but like we had a, we had a moment amongst our group where it was like a year ago we thought we were all done yeah and now a year later we feel like we're an integral
0: part of yeah, the
2: show an overact for sure of course yeah.
0: the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to keepitfunohio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
2: When you guys started hearing about the Exalted One, did you have any idea who it might be? Did you have any input into it or uh all?
3: so we had input as far as uh of who of the names that were suggested, uh, Bro- Brody and uh, Matt Hardy were always at the yeah. forefront. Yeah. Dr. Luther was at one point as well. Mm. He came in for interviews. Uh, and then so it kind of kept switching around between Hardy and Brody because it, you, you, they couldn't guarantee anything because contracts need to expire. And, and at that point, like there's no official, there's n- there's no guarantee anyone's leaving mm. and coming here. And so we were hoping it was going to be Brody, and then we, had, at one point we were also thinking Matt would have been a great idea because at the time he was doing Broken Man, we thought that might be a good direction since we were kind of a goofy cult at the time mm-hmm. too, so mm-hmm. it could have worked well. But Brody was, was by far the best choice because we had been friends already for over a decade, and we knew that as soon as he would show up that he would really take care
2: of us. Well, it took it in a, in a more serious yes, direction yes. Yes. too. which I think we needed we needed that edge and you needed a big star to be the exalted one you know if it it was like Luther or something it would be fine but if you needed somebody to go holy shit it's Matt Hardy it's Mm -hmm. it's Brody Lee because I I remember when when the decision was made for Brody I actually came up with that famous double swerve in Rochester that was supposed to happen where everyone thought it was Matt but then it would be Brody coming out in his home home, hometown and then Matt showed up at the end of the show to mess with the inner circle Mm -hmm. which would have been Great, except for the stupid pandemic happened yeah. and the whole show it's got cancelled. It was literally uh, a week before.
1: I M2. know. Yeah. Uh, like the four or five shows following the very first time Brody Lee appeared were all gonna be so freaking awesome. Like they were all near like first there were Blood and Guts was the week right after. That's right. Yeah. Like yeah, they were there were all shows where we knew for sure like it was big arenas, they were sell out. Yes. Uh, it would be huge for us. It was a, the next month would have been insane for Dark Order. Yeah. And then instead, we got stuck home for
2: three months. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's right. Well, let's, let's let, twofold on that. So before we talk about you guys getting stuck yep. at home, when you first came into AEW, this was the first, I know you had worked at Ring of Honor mm-hmm. and some other, but this was the first kind of real national yeah, this television, is, yep. big arena show. How was that for you guys, knowing that you're, gonna, like, you're in the big time now?
1: All I could think is, finally. <laughs> and Jesus Christ, we have a work visa. We can come back in the United States. And after 15 years of doing what we do, and at that point, there was no doubt in my mind, we are one of the best tag team in the whole world. No one knows it. Mm. I, no one knows we're still wrestling, and we are amongst the best in the world. Yeah, that in was, Can- The independence in Canada has never really
3: looked that. Un- you're right, yeah. And like, it has
1: amazing talent. You're right.
3: Yeah, And so we thought, like, we were still, we were still wrestling three, four times a week, but no one knew. So mm-hmm. no, everyone thought we were retired. So even, like the bit of buzz we had in like 2010 to 2013 just evaporated because we're not doing the major independence at the time. And so we honestly, we thought we were done. We thought there was no chance at a future because there was no real eyes on Canada and we couldn't go into America uh, at any point. We, we did some European stuff and that was kind of growing as well. Uh, but like I honestly never felt like it was real until the uh, double or nothing. Like I had signed the contract. They kept telling me, Oh, Chris Jericho's involved. JR's involved Tony's a billionaire but like all of that stuff never seemed real until we showed up at Double or Nothing you saw it I saw it yeah. And actually the first time was when you had uh, you had given this speech about like really taking it in like cause this was gonna be a historic moment for everyone like oh, we, we don't, yeah. that we would look back on this and stuff and I was like I'm, I'm listening to Chris Jericho giving me a speech <laughs> I'm in the middle of Vegas it's a sold out show and like people will watch the show again like I've I've rewatched that show mm-hmm. because it was so so that it it was uh it was a very happy moment for me for
2: sure. Yeah. It was funny cuz when you guys came out I was on you guys about your costumes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, instant. Yeah, because yeah. I remember thinking like a lot of these guys this is the first time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it people watch with their eyes and they yeah. see things and the first time they're seeing our show. I remember with Marco too. I was like it's okay that he's small, but he needs to look more just more professional. Yeah. You know what I mean? The shorts and the the they the, get rid of that yeah. shit. You know what I mean? Our
3: gear was definitely uh was not good enough for TV at the it, time. It,
2: yeah, right. And I, I wanted to sh- to pass it on. As you guys were probably, thinking, I hope you're thinking like oh, this is no, no it was great. Yeah, we, we great. love
1: criticisms like that. Like we need to learn and to grow, and that's probably one of the most beautiful thing about wrestling is that you never start, never stop learning and getting better. Mm-hmm. So when you came to us and said, "Hey, you guys need to 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 evolve into something better," the first thing we think is,
2: we thought is, yeah. "All right." Let's, let's evolve into yeah, something. Yeah, I literally better. I
1: ordered a, a a jacket top
3: the day after you. We and that had was spoken. pretty
2: cool because sometimes guys will say that and they they won't. Yeah, but I think it was like a week or two later. You, you showed up. You yeah, even I, had it, it. I got it done yeah. and you showed up and that was that's cool to see because like I said, this is now showbiz. You know, yeah, yeah. it's not just how many moves you can do and you guys know how you guys can have great matches, mm-hmm. but you also have to look at the level of what we're doing. Yeah, and
3: you to be you have to and look the part. It's yeah, an aesthetic yeah. uh, business and also it. Uh, it like character There's a lot more Than just what we can do In the
2: ring Yeah for sure mm-hmm. Let's talk about I want to talk about The lockdown later on But let's talk about The Super Smash Bros yep. And what the exactly The, uh, the concept was mm-hmm. for it And kind of the early days How you guys put this together
3: So uh, I started wrestling Back in uh, 2004 uh, I had trained From 2002 you, to like 2004 or something or? Uh, I was 15 <laughs> when I started Uh, So I I trained from uh, when I was 13 till 15, which I don't even know if it was legal, to be honest, but here I am. Is that Ottawa area or is it Montreal? Uh, Yeah, so we're we're based out of a city just outside of Ottawa called Gatineau. It's on the French side of the river, so like on the Quebec side. And uh, so uh, we went to a school there called Canadian Pro Wrestling, very original name. Um, (laughs) And at the time, I didn't know that there was other wrestling in the world. I thought it was this one school in WWE. And I thought, wow, I can't believe this one school exists. And uh, I started wrestling, but I was a teenager, and I couldn't hide the fact that I was a teenager, so I thought being under a mask would hide that.
2: Oh, And gotcha.
3: so uh, at the time, because I was a teenager, I, I had this uh, talk with, uh, with uh, Sami Zayn, who was El Generico at the time. Uh, I
0: never
2: I knew that. I never heard that before. No, no he I, mean, I
3: mean, <laughs> I <it's>, mean, <laughs> it is not He's strong, guys. <laughs> but uh, he still, got he
2: got hit in the head with a rubber ball at street hockey. It yesterday. It is true. <laughs> I did. My brain is damaged.
3: Um, but uh, we had. I had to talk with him, and uh, he was saying essentially that he he wanted to be a generic character from a video game, uh, but in the end, he became El Generico or not or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so. He, we were talking back and forth and he was saying you could be like player one. You know, you could be the mask guy that's in those I can just hear him Dependity telling you games.
2: Telling you I can just hear him literally hear him speak. You could oh, be like, yes. player one. Yeah, it exactly. Perfect. And
3: they will chant player one, like in the video game. And so uh, and so at the time the only things I knew because I was a teenager were video games, comic books and and wrestling. So to me I was like, Oh, being in video games, that's something I can relate to and I can understand so right off the bat, I became Player Uno. I changed the last part. Uh, I learned Spanish at the time. I'd never did you used, really? I never used it, but yes. I did four years of Spanish. It's similar
2: to French. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. plays yep. off the yep. same rules. Yeah, that's
3: right. Uh, it, it wasn't hard to, to learn. But then uh, eventually, so I, I, I became a video game character. That was my character. Eventually, Stu uh, came to the same school about two and a half years later. It
1: was what? like, I think it was two class after you, right? Yeah, yeah. So about two, two, class, uh, yeah.
3: about two years. And uh, we hit it off right away. Uh, We became friends instantly, and we started tagging together, and we didn't really have a great name, and so we just played off what I was, which was a video game character, and we took one of the video game names that was popular at the time and just became the Smash Brothers, and uh, very surprised how long we were that, to be honest. Mm, Like We did a whole decade as being video game characters, and then so uh, you were actual video
2: game character. that's the gimmick was you like you yeah we were game? like video
3: game players but like i was i was kind of on the line because uh, shikara was a promotion we eventually worked with and that was a little more go- goofy and comedic mm. and so they made it more video game character rather than a video game player so they made me get paused they made me like yeah, i had, had, a had, controller I had on controllers it. on my pants so what, if you press the button i would kick you <laughs> If you press the other
1: button, I would punch you. If you press pause, <laughs> it would be. Frozen I, I would be rings. frozen. I wouldn't sell things. Yeah. At one point, I had uh, the actual uh, Nintendo console on yeah. my gear, so I would be able to put in like games and whatever games I would put in, it would I would change uh, your style. Like, I would yeah. my wrestling style would change. So, Karate Kid, Ninja Turtles, whatever, yeah. I would adapt to the video. You would game. have
2: the cartridge and yeah, put it I would it have in the cartridge and, and yeah. it would put it in my pants. How can you bump with a Nintendo game? It was game like uh, it was like
1: a. Half Nintendo, as if the Nintendo was sunk into my leg ah, in the gear Yeah, so it was just enough. That's like could, a pocket. Yeah, we yeah. could open up the little the uh, little door and put in yeah. the the game. And
2: so if if you got a Karate Kid, then you do a bunch of Karate. Moves. Karate yeah. and whatever. Yeah. yeah, that must have got over huge for it both was. of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Also, was, mostly when the game wouldn't work and it would lag, and people would have to like Uno would have to blow into the, the cartridge <laughs> game yeah. get the dust out, <laughs> and, and yeah. I would finally actually work. And so like we we did that for a decade, but honestly,
3: like all comedy bits like it runs its course Mm -hmm. and we realized like if we want to grow as a team we can't be the video game guys because there's only we were always the underdogs we never would win we would win championships and then instantly lose and we realized that like there was a glass ceiling for us and if we wanted to go beyond we had to be we had
1: been babyface for like 10 years
3: almost at that Mm -hmm. point so so we switched out from being the smash brothers and became ssb from there
2: yeah with a different kind of a gimmick and yeah different, different try to
3: try started doing what the evil uno stuff was now which is yeah. just like having the minions and uh, well,
1: another thing that made us want to go more heel was that once we were in the ring we usually had much more uh in-ring experience than most mm-hmm. guys and there's nothing worse as a baby face than being in the ring the heel comes to you and he says what
2: do I do next yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and I'm like just yeah. kick
1: my ass so, dude yeah. like what I don't... Just do your yeah. things, man. Yeah, so we wanted to lead as well, which we was another part We wanted to lead the match. And, mm-hmm. and as doing it as heal or simply as the aggressor was much easier. So when he started to do more, like, he switched from uh, player Uno to evil Uno. It was simple. Then he would be using his knowledge and his experience to cheat and outsmart the guy. I had finally gained the muscle mass to leave the little underdog baby face to be more of a fighter and I could finally embrace my background in the fighting because I looked the part and then I became like much more violent and aggressive mm. in the ring and thank God we did that mm. because we we needed that for just for
2: ourselves mm. to enjoy wrestling again. Mm-hmm. Do you, you have a fighting background?
1: Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I started fighting uh, I was about six or seven years old. I'm a black belt in karate. I'm a black belt in taekwondo. Wow. I'm a black belt in kickboxing. So yeah, I've been fighting for
2: about 26 years, so... Do you still keep up with the, that sort of training?
1: Uh, I do on my own. Mm. Uh, every now and then, uh, I get to train with some dudes that will, like, they also have a background in it. We'll do stuff in the ring like that mm. Aleister Black, when we worked with him in um, in Germany, it was fun to do some exchange that was uh, martial related because we could both do it. Mm. He was also, I think he's a, also a black belt, multiple black belt in kickboxing or something. Mm. So it was fun in the ring with him, but in... I don't do classes anymore. I no longer have a sensei or anything like gotcha. that. But it's something I would
2: love to get back into. I just don't have time. Most of my training that I do now is kickboxing training. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I is know, it's great it's, for cardio. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, it's awesome. awesome. It's great for striking cardio. And as, as you get older, too, like the weights don't do as much. They, it hurts. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. It
1: hurts your joints. And that actually no kickboxing yeah. is cardio. Uh, it's going to help for muscle growth, flexibility. It, it's just a, it's a great
2: sport to do. Mm. When you guys... Um, you said you said you worked a lot in Europe. Yes. What, what, what countries were you working in there? Uh, together, we
3: worked in Germany for a, a tour, uh, and then uh, we did several tours in the UK, mostly. Uh, so, and Wales, which no, I think that's that's a part of the UK. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it was like Attack Pro Wrestling. We did some progress over there. We did title. Were you doing wrestling. tours there? Would you stay there for a couple of months? I'd or? stay there for like uh, two, three weeks, and then we'd come back. Gotcha. Yeah, and just just get. There's enough wrestling there to wrestle almost every single day and make a good amount of money, and then you come back home. We just not,
1: couldn't stay there that long because we had real life, back yeah, the real yeah. jobs. So. We were
3: still, ha- I w- we were still managing jobs uh, on both ends. Stu was uh, had a construction company, and I used to uh, work uh, for an immigrant, uh, the government uh, in immigration. So, oh wow,
2: yeah. Does that did that help you? No,
3: it? not at all. In <laughs> fact,
2: uh, the <laughs> complete
3: opposite.
0: Yeah, <laughs> put you on the radar too much, right? Exactly. Yeah.
2: Talk a little bit more about, about kind of uh, right before you came into AEW. Was it Ring of Honor that
3: led you to here? Uh, yeah, essentially, we had we had wrestled uh, the Young Bucks numerous times in PWG back in the early 2010s.
1: Yeah. PWG is what really launched us into the public eye. That's yeah. what that's where people have usually uh, see us for the first time. It's PWG. Mm-hmm. Let's yes. Talk and
2: about PWG because it's it's such a, a interesting, unique world of its own. Yes. Oh yeah wrestling in front of 400 people yeah yeah, it's like a jam packed
3: yeah Yeah. people are like shoulder to shoulder and just the energy just transfers from one person to the other uh uh, so much there because there's no space so if one person is is yelling and is into something you kind of get the same sense as that person and it just kind of it it was honestly one of my favorite places to wrestle in because it was just diehard fans having a great time uh with the best wrestlers from around the world because almost every single person was a fly-in, so you were always learning from any match you had. And just the top,
2: top guys that were available. from everywhere. So,
3: like, top from Europe, top from Japan, top from the States, top from Canada, Mm. and they'd all be wrestling. And so it it would get you out of your comfort zone. You'd be wrestling people you don't typically wrestle, but they are very good, so you're learning as well. And so we had uh, had wrestled the Young Bucks there for uh, about two years, like an extended feud, and we loved working with each other. And then eventually... Uh, we couldn't go to America anymore uh, because we couldn't get a visa.
2: I heard about that. Yes. Was, that was you guys? It's, it's a yeah. Of cats. yeah, like, you, yeah.
1: You, they, they stopped you at the border?
3: Or yeah, what? so they
2: stopped we, us yeah, at the, the
1: border. B- I think the whole visa issue with Canadian the worker pretty much started because of us.
2: After that, a lot, a of, lot people of the Canadians got, caught. got flagged. And yeah. we were,
1: I think we were leading the way of
2: the problem. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are now working quite steadily in the States going over the border. We had been, they, yes. Had they fi- how did they finally figure well, it out? Well, we
1: had been
3: flying to uh, California literally every four weeks. And so at that point, one of them uh, had seen our passports and he's like, hmm. And then they questioned us. And what, what happens is that uh, no matter what happens in independent wrestling, if you made no money, and you're an international person coming into the States, for example, to work, if you're working for someone, that person makes money off you, it's still considered work, and so you need to have a visa to work. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have visas because the visa process is incredibly difficult to do. You need a legitimate company, and there's not that many in wrestling who need to sponsor you, and they have to be willing to disclose their taxes for five years. Um, And so like almost every independent company says no to that. And then, the process on top of that is you have to prove you're among there has to be a reason why they're willing to give you the visa over an american yeah you have yeah. to prove that you are more valuable yeah, exactly. than an american and would be
1: they also the government didn't really understand why well if uh you know stu garrison and evil Noor popular just give two american these names they didn't yeah. get that uh, it's yeah. like and we so we had kind of had to explain to them that if you make a movie and you need brad pitt but he's expensive. You cannot just take another pretty boy and call him Brad Pitt. It's not him. Yeah. Right. You know, it was <laughs> like they—they they did not understand why Wild just chose another player. You
3: know, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just not how yeah. it
1: works. So, we had worked the the Bucks a whole lot then, and then
3: because we had been stuck mostly in Canada, we were always keeping up with them. They're they're great pals of us, and anytime Ring of Honor would come to uh, to Canada, we would get on the shows because we had a. a Previously worked with Ring of Honor. Well,
2: well, just to stop though, so so did they? At one point, they actually found it, and then they said, "You guys can't come anymore." Yeah. So essentially, it, it wasn't. A, we didn't get a full ban.
3: Mm. Uh, some people get like five to seven years right. bans, and it goes on your your record. We got what's called a flag, which means. Next time around, you will be reinvestigated to see if you're going because of this. It's a warning, right? It's a warning. But the issue is because I worked in immigration, I had secret clearance, and I would lose my job if I were banned. Gotcha, gotcha. And so at the time, I couldn't, I couldn't risk losing my hundred grand a year sure. job to do to this. And at the time, it wasn't go make 100 bucks a hundred bucks exactly, on a Saturday afternoon. And, and we also uh, never thought we were really gonna get it because at the time, if you weren't a big guy you weren't really getting signed. And until mm-hmm. Kevin Owens got signed, that's the point where we realized, oh, maybe we can do this because mm-hmm. he he didn't look like everyone else and neither mm-hmm. did
2: we. You know, it's interesting because I'm, you know, I'm from Winnipeg as well and mm-hmm. I was lucky because I'm a dual citizen because I was born in the States. Right. But I still had those problems crossing the border, especially if I was flying, like my first couple tours to Japan, I had no work visa. Uh, first couple times going to Mexico, no work visa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even crossing the border to go to California back in the day, like, we would always have a backup excuse. Like, yes. what if they find your tights? Well, we're just going there to to do an exhibition or for a tryout, or training. Or something training, yes. something like that. So, like, but I went through the same thing. I just never actually got busted. Which, That's it. You know, it took us seven years. Like, we were doing it consistently yeah. for seven yeah. years. And, and then, when
1: we were not flying, we were driving through the borders every single week. Yeah. So. Our that could be hard too very active yeah, yeah right right
2: <laughs> all the stamps are full non-stop lights like I, I remember the first few times I went to Mexico and you guys have might have been there but they, in Mexico City they have a, like a traffic light and you press a button and if the light is green then you get to go through one out of a hundred it hits red and that's when you get the full on search and I was always just terrified please don't let it be red but it's great thank God this time I made it and the next time you'd feel that dread a couple days before what happens if I get that red <laughs> yeah. I never got the red, but like that, is, it was, It's it puts a lot of stress Big on us yeah. as performers, oh, yeah. having to cross that freaking border because Canada is tough.
3: It's tough. It's it's and it, it doesn't work the other way around. American Americans can come into Canada and work right, no problem.
1: Right. They can wrestle no problem. Yeah. make money, go back home with the our it's, way. Yeah, very strange, is different, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah.
2: So so then I guess. Now, we can go back. You mm-hmm. said you mentioned you were still following the Bucks When they would come to Canada for a show, you would get on the show. Yeah, so they, they would work
3: for Ring of Honor uh, up in uh, in uh, Toronto mostly. And so we, we'd end up on those shows, and we would coerce with them. We'd talk, and like we ended up wrestling each other again. And at the time, I don't think they knew they were going anywhere, but they were really trying to get us into Ring of Honor. Uh, and Ring of Honor was kind of holding our contracts over their heads because they were trying to re-sign the Bucks. And they didn't want to sign us unless the Bucks resigned, uh, and so we were kind of like a piece of just like a, a carrot negotiation dangle. negotiation exactly. tool. Yeah. So for about an uh, for about like eight nine months, that's what it was. And then by the end of it, they came back around to Toronto again. We wrestled there again, and I guess Nick and Matt had known at that point they were going to do something else, and they told us, "Hey, if you get offered anything, just let us know because we're going to offer you something soon. We can't tell you what it is." But just know it is coming around. And we're like, okay, sure, whatever. And literally three days later Ring of Honor offered us a, a contract for three years. And so we had messaged Nick and Matt and they're like, Okay, well this is what's going on. This is what our offer is. You'd have to wait uh probably five months before you do anything though. Is that okay? And we're like, Of course. I've waited
1: I've waited eight years. Yeah. I can't like it plus all they had to say to us is hey. Trust us, yeah. Yeah. And we were in. I was like, "Yeah, yeah." They've always trust you. We'll do it. We've been friends for a long time. We've we know that you guys have our best interest in mind. So when they said trust us, that's what we did. And thank thank God we did.
2: You know, it's interesting because that's another thing I think that really helped our company get off the ground very quickly. Is 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 Matt and Nick had a great reputation as as guys with all the people they knew, and then even even for myself, the guys that I brought in, quote unquote, with Moxley and Matt Hardy and Brody and jake hager and ftr like calling these guys and saying like hey this is the real deal mm-hmm, yeah. like this is not a We're joke this is not some typical story that we always heard like, oh, there's so and so he's a money mark like no, this is a real thing and it's awesome so give it a shot you know And pack i called pack to come for the very first uh um the conference right the, like the, the yeah but, but the, for the the chicago show oh, we oh, wanted him to yeah. debut and he, wouldn't, he wanted to de- After he got out of WWE He wanted to debut with uh, Is it Dragon Gate? Yes And,
3: and out he, of like uh, a, He used to do that In the independents Yeah so, And that was yeah. his,
2: his And he was like I have to I'm like dude You gotta do it here It's on national TV And I remember thinking What's wrong with you? But we ended up Bringing him in too yep. But I think everyone Kind of trusted Each other Of course Which in wrestling Can be a very rare thing If you're yeah. trusting somebody Because there's a lot of Shoving it you know, up your ass If you could yeah. but, uh,
3: Very often you'll get like this is not the first time I've been told something ginormous is going to happen. Of course, to be oh, involved, gosh. right? Yeah. And you never—that's why I never thought it was real until uh, we got to Vegas because yeah. it never felt like it was going to be real. Yeah, Un- even until you're there, you anything can happen. It right. could happen. Right, it all fall apart. Yeah, like when we had
1: signed a contract, I still thought, eh, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. someone's going to rip it and say what contracts do, you know, <laughs> or or they won't give us visas or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing. We it was. Damn near impossible for us to to get visa. Even when we had successfully went through the legal process, he got a visa for about so it was six months. It's supposed we applied for two years. I got mine for six months because they sent it so late and they just said to me, "No." Yeah. And when I said, "Okay, can I have my money back?" What money? No. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, cool." Here's four grand. You know, yeah. like really? Yeah. yeah. They just what are you gonna? What am I gonna do? Yeah. Me versus the United States. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> that's not a fight. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like so. Until we had the visa, the the like the, the the just everything in hand, we just thought it's not a thing.
2: Yeah, that's not real. For me, it was the same going through because once again, hear it so many times. Especially when you're talking about not going up against Vince, but obviously you're. We are up against Vince. It's yeah. Just Because we're big, we're that yeah. big, and I I didn't buy it until we had the press conference here. Which you guys were not. We hadn't signed yet. Uh,
3: we had signed, but we didn't have visas yet. Gotcha. We, we were among the first signed, but it took five gotcha.
2: months. Gotcha. But there was, you know, I think there was only five or six or whatever it was. But that's when I was like, like, this is real. Like, here we go. Like, I'm actually doing this. And that's when I started getting the calls from Vince. I was like, what are you doing? Like, well, you told me to go. Like, you mm-hmm. know, and that, And that's when I was like, this is a real fight now. This is yeah. great. Oh yeah. You know, which was
0: awesome.
2: So, when you guys um, did you guys ever have any interactions with WB at all? Any, any tryouts uh, or chances? Surprisingly
3: or? enough, the only uh, tryout offer I got was once I was offered a contract here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jeez, I wonder how that works. Yeah, That's right. when the call came, yeah. yeah.
2: And they never gave you any. Uh, uh, no, extra I never. And I, I
3: never seeked for it either, uh, especially young. Like in, our, in my first, I'd say, nine years, I just thought it was an impossible feat. Because I I wasn't ginormous. Right. Uh, I'm a little mascot who's a the video game character. Yeah. And I'm from Canada. So in my mind I was like, that's not even a it's not even my goal because I had I instilled in my brain as a kid that I'm a kid and I can't get there. Yeah. Mm. And funny um, enough
1: for me, like in the early when I started it was two thousand four or five, what I was watching the most was T N A. Because mm. that was like the golden years of the X division with guys like AJ and Christopher Daniels, and I look at them and I was like, Oh, those guys are they're my size mm-hmm. you know like they're I could do this, that, this that's the place for me so WWE was never even an option for me either I didn't really think about it so
2: how about like kind of uh, the f- growing up kind of like in Quebec I know f- there's a lot of French there's a company I used to watch called international championship yeah yep. yeah yeah with uh, Gilles de fish poisson and mm-hmm. uh, Richard Richard the boss charlon all these types of guys was there guys that you uh, trained with or worked with in in that area French Canada Canada, that um, maybe we don't know a lot about
3: oh yeah there's definitely there are so many French Canadian wrestlers that you'll never hear about because they first of all most of them don't speak English which is is, yeah in a the wrestling world you have to you have to it's international too like it's just it's just how wrestling is taught and Mm -hmm. and and discussed with each other Uh, but like we, we uh, our organization was, like, uh, ran by Gino Brito, who oh, was, oh, like, an yeah. international guy. Uh, the Dupres were around as well, like his son, who obviously went to WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, we had a ton of Canadian, Quebec legends, like, Guy Sorial. No one knows who that guy is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wild Dangerous Dan. No one <laughs> knows who <laughs> that guy is. But, like, they were... To, to us at the time We thought they were legends Because they were The top French They had been there stars. forever They
1: were running to promotion
3: Well and also Fr-
2: French Canada Like Montreal and Quebec It is mm-hmm. kind of It's own little world For yes. entertainment yeah. The yeah. same with There's yeah. a lot of big Singing stars That you don't know of But they're huge In that area Exactly right? Only in this one province too Yeah only in the province yep. Yeah, It's not like it goes to anywhere mm-hmm. Like you know Toronto or Ontario Or wherever else right so what about Kevin and, and, and Sammy? You mentioned Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and, mm-hmm. Sammy Zane, and I'm, I'm assuming you guys probably all kind of came up together in one way, shape, or form.
3: Yeah, somewhat. Uh, they, they're, they, I think they started about a year and a half before I did. But almost as soon as I started, uh, I had befriended uh, Sami Zayn pretty fast because I, I would go to all the indip- as soon as I started training, I started jo- jumping to every independent show and started helping and uh, and starting making relationships and just meeting people. And he was at all the shows too, because we had figured out if you wrestle everywhere at some point, someone will will we'll go to more yeah, places. Yeah. And then uh, Kevin, had, at the time where I started, had just left Rougeau School, or was just branching out from Rougeau School, because at the time Rougeau wouldn't let anyone wrestle for anyone other than him. Of course. But Kevin was like that one exception. So <laughs> him and PCO were doing the rounds of all the Quebec independents. And uh, I had a match, I think my fourth match was against Kevin, and like almost instantly. Uh, which which was a CPW one, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the
1: very first wrestling experience of my life. Yeah. I walk in the CPW show and it's uh, it's Player Uno versus Kevin Owens. Yeah. It's the first time I ever watched wrestling in my yeah. whole life. And in that match, like I, the things they did and I just saw it, and I was like, oh my God, I want to do this. Yeah.
2: So hold on, this is the first match you'd ever seen or you never watched wrestling? I had never seen wrestling, wrestling
1: live. The, my Actually, funny enough... The very first like wrestling I even saw. I didn't know wrestling existed until I was like fifteen years old. Okay, and it was I flipped the channel and it was you versus Scott Steiner. Oh wow! Le- Scott Steiner was flexing <laughs> on the second rope before WrestleMania 19 it was the Royal Rumble leading to, to WrestleMania 19, wow. and he's flexing, and all I could think is, what is this? <laughs> how how is this human alive? Like how is he so damn big? And then you guys wrestled, and you did the lion's soul, you did a dive, and I was like. These guys are like real life superhero. <laughs> what the hell? And then I, I looked up like what it was and I was it's pro wrestling. And then I learned about CPW. And then I went a few weeks later and boom. I saw Kevin Owens versus Player Uno. And I was yeah. like, yeah, okay, I'm in. That's, that's
2: it. That's really cool. here you are now. <laughs> yeah, and we're wonders? all <laughs> And like uh,
3: us and Kevin just uh, from there we like we just did all the roads together because there's not that many Canadians that are willing to do the 10, 12 hour drives yeah. to go to cities and make twenty dollars yeah but, and and Kevin was really blowing up and, and so was Sammy and so of course like we jump it to every car we could yeah and you know, honestly they, if it wasn't for them I don't think anyone would
1: know who we are mm, because, yeah, because in a way like, when they got big they kind of took us under their wings
3: mm.
0: yeah
1: they they, they wanted to have, they wanted to travel with people who uh, well would be willing to drive with them and do all these distance. And also, when the promotion would say, hey, we can you bring people? They needed to bring people that could actually mm-hmm. wrestle. Yeah. And we were these guys. Mm. So,
2: yeah, There's something, too, to, to having guys that came from your area. Mm-hmm. That's why Kenny and I bonded right off the bat, because coming from Winnipeg, you know, Don Callis, too, yeah. it's it's as much of a northern outpost as being from, you know, Quebec. It's, yeah. this yes. is, nothing really happens out there. So it's kind of cool that, like, wow, there's some other guys from from my hometown that are in the business, you know,
3: there's like a form of like loyalty that I feel to everyone that I've met in my early days of wrestling in my little city. Like I I will always go back to bat to them. They'll always be friends to me just mostly because I feel like there's a pride of my own city and my own Mm. wrestling organization. We really like, we've really like built our own area in the Ottawa scene and like have really led that scene for the last like 15 years and we're very protective of like everyone there the same way that like,
0: so, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
2: We mentioned before, so we were talking about being in an AW and all these great plans that we had. And it's funny, because we're recording this on March 9th, and March 11th was our last show official yes, in Salt Lake, Lake City. it's almost a year. Yeah. Almost a year, which is insane to Crazy. think about that. Was that the last time? It was the 18th, or were you guys? Did you, did you guys were you able to come back again after that, or when did you no, gotta, uh, have to go home for good? We weren't even sure we could make it home from Salt Lake City. Yeah,
1: yeah. really. Uh, Tony yeah. even told us like, "Hey, if you guys can't go, just let me know. I'll just yeah. make arrangement, and you'll just live here." And it was like, oh Jesus! Okay, <laughs> oh my God!
3: Uh, we actually we made it out of Salt Lake City and made it to Jacksonville the next week, and we were able to do uh, uh, the Exalted Ones debut. It was supposed to be the Rochester date, right? Yeah. Uh, which became the Jacksonville date, yeah. and then that's the show. When we came back home, they barred uh, they barred the borders for the next like four months. Yeah.
2: So how was that? We talked about this briefly before. but How was that for you guys? Like you mentioned, you're finally the Exalted One debuts, and this is it. And then you. Wah, 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 wah. It was
3: severely depressing, honestly, because yeah. we were stuck at home. Uh, we had no real contact with people at work, like because uh, we we couldn't really be much of a factor on television because there was we were question marks mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
3: for all we, we thought for sure they were going to let us go. To be honest, wow. because we again, were again for the second again, time. second yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been like a roller coaster for us, at least emotionally. But um, we thought for sure they're going to let us go because I thought monetarily, why would you keep guys that can't be here? Right. Right. And also, how bad is this pandemic and how long is this going to take? No one knows. There's only so long you can drag out something without us being there. Right. And so every every week that would pass by that we weren't involved with television and we weren't involved with our own Dark Order group, we thought, well, this is this is the week we're getting the call. Mm. This is the week we're getting the yeah. call. And thank thank God it didn't happen because like...
2: Hey man, we all have to give Tony credit. I mean, he kept everybody. It's uh, yeah. unreal. Uh, the know, fact
3: that um, he he's single handedly not only like us AEW, but a ton of independent wrestlers who can't make money. He is paying them to to.
2: That's why we have you know fifteen dark matches that's after it. the show. He wants yeah. to support the scenes, and that that's um, we've talked about this on this show before. Where a lot of people are like, ah, it's such a long show. Too, he's doing that specifically to not just give those guys a, a job but mm-hmm. also for the guys on our roster that need matches and need that's development it, yeah. but but he, like you said he single-handedly kept a lot of people's careers going
3: yeah serpentico
2: he was ready to quit same and, yeah you know well, we were
3: i was about to quit before i got signed to here too yeah. like yeah. i was i was on my way out i figured like okay that's been 15 years right i can't see anything coming up and at the time i thought well maybe i'll just just phase out move into something else try to find a different role and then, of course, this just this worked out. But like every, almost every person on Dark that was solely, I, I, like I know, uh, uh Pineapple Pete, uh, mm-hmm. uh like Sugar he, D, yeah, Sugar D, like he was solely an independent wrestler, and so this, yeah, that's the only place he could go was Dark, and that's the only place he was making money. Yeah, so that that paid his bills. That that kept him alive through this year. yeah. And, yeah. and if it wasn't for
2: Tony, a lot of people would be. So when you guys spot. were at home, and like I said, you're turning on the TV to watch to watch Dynamite, and and because now Brody's in, and mm-hmm. there's a lot revolving around him, and, and I, I know the answer. You probably felt like you know like odd men out. Yeah, at this we felt time. like
1: uh well first we thought we would be replaced when they brought in ten and five Mm. because i was like first i was like oh another bald guy with a beard huh (laughs) yeah i'm out i guess i'm out that's for sure you know (laughs) but like every time we would turn on the tv we we would think like oh so that's what we're doing this week huh interesting Mm -hmm. because i have no idea what's going on No, no exactly like
3: we i'd keep up with brody a whole lot uh but even brody at that point, it, it wasn't even, and I'm, I will never be mad about this. It was so hectic for everyone. Right, they, they were writing shows with such a small group. Yeah, uh, those Atlanta shows were put on like such pressure. Twenty nine percent of the roster. Exactly. 20, we'll tell so you. like, yeah. like things would happen on television, and of course, I'd be like, "What is this? It's, I don't know what the vision is for us anymore. I don't know what we're doing." But at the same time, I couldn't be angry because I knew everyone was in the same situation as us. We were all going through this yeah. this weird situation where where the pandemic was affecting. Not just, like, our livelihood, but every single person's Mm -hmm. livelihood. The television show was completely different than it used to be. It
2: must have really been been hard for you guys because just the pandemic in general was hard for the world. But at least, like, in my situation, at least I knew that I had a job. And I knew that I had something to do every week that nobody else did once we got through those Atlanta shows. But even then, we were doing the Bubbly Bunch and still at least trying to be creative in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm you guys had to deal with the pandemic and deal with the lockdown in canada which was a lot worse than it was yeah, yeah we weren't in allowed to leave our homes yeah. and yeah. worrying about your your jobs yeah, yeah. we've
1: mean. been like for us we've been quarantined for a whole year now every single time we come back to canada we have to quarantine we have mandatory qu- uh, quarantine ma- yeah, when we get because home. we've been traveling internationally oh, so wow. we have not yeah. left our house for a year other than for work we i thought I we to do. a store I we been... wrestle we go home and like our mothers or our parents or friends are doing our groceries yeah. uh, there's nothing we can't that's
2: do. insane because we tape every two weeks Yeah, and when you go home you have to quarantine for two weeks just in time to come back to, to work come back. To, yep. that's crazy yeah, so like we
3: haven't had a week to our like I haven't seen my mom in a year I haven't seen any of my family a year. I had to miss my grandmother's funeral this year. Like that's terrible. Just man, because yeah. I can't, I can't leave my house.
2: It's so and are they checking
3: on you? They do. Yeah, they knock yeah. at your door. They call you. Uh, you have to <sighs> fill up an application uh, on your app every day. Yeah, and and I and I completely understand no, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but in another sense, it's like I just I just can't wait to not be in my home anymore. I can't. Yeah, can't even look at the walls of my home yeah, anymore. Anyway. When
1: People are saying, "Oh, it's so hard." You know, to corona. I'm like, but you have a job. You still go to the gym. You like. Right. Okay, you're limited. Yes, I understand. But the only human being I've seen in Canada is my girlfriend because she's a nurse and we are allowed to see each other because she's vaccinated, and the whole shebang, and like her job, is, her job is safe and everything. But she's the only Canadian human being I've seen. Like, mm-hmm. other if Outside if of me, if, yeah.
2: <laughs> otherwise,
1: yeah, like, like otherwise, like I, I I live alone, so I have my dog. I talk with my dog so much now, like it's. The <laughs> dog's talking back. He's talking back. Like we we can play games together now. Like it's. This is the and wow. people are saying, oh, it's so hard. Like, dude, you don't know what hard is right
2: now. Like, right? There are I, definitely people that have it worse than us, but like, that's tough. But, and, and also, too, too, when you come to Florida, it's a whole different vibe here entirely. Oh, yeah. it's I kind often of forget. Yeah. I often
3: forget. There's there's even a pandemic happening here because it's yeah, so, it's so vastly like we have a curfew at home. That's why. Yeah, my friend in Montreal said there's still an eight p.m. Yeah, you guys have a curfew. That's it's, 5 a.m. to... Uh, well, now it's 9.30, but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. now yeah. it's there's 5 a.m. to 9.30. Uh, the, I think, <sighs> restaurants and and uh, and malls and stuff only just started opening, like, this week. Not that it matters to us. I mean, we, yeah, can we go, still can access you them. You still have to have your two-week yeah. quarantine, no yes, matter regardless, what. regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Until we get vaccinated, which I, I hope is soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty
1: yeah, intense, yeah. because uh, the lady, the, the security that knock on my daughter works for the government, she told me, she said, hey, uh, do you have a, a backyard? And I said, yes. Is there a fence... All the way around i said yes so you are allowed to go in there i was mm-hmm. like what Like yes yeah. your front driveway does not have a fence to stop people from coming to see you you are not allowed there yeah he's not allowed to walk so his I dog. i can't reach my car you know what i mean it's only my it's well, only my it's, backyard it's good though
2: because that fence will keep coronavirus it up. will yes oh yes that, that's it as long <laughs> as <laughs> it's now. six feet high it doesn't, <laughs> yes. it doesn't travel higher you're that's fine it? I'm that's good so, now. It, i mean we can talk about this for hours it drives me crazy <laughs> the different rules and all this sort of thing but so when were you guys finally able to come back to to, to, to Jacksonville? Uh, it was uh,
3: late June of uh, late June or early July of uh, 2019. Or yeah. 2020, uh, 2020, 2020, yeah.
2: And so then we, what was the reason? Because Canada allowed you... Yeah, to- so
3: they started opening it up that uh, travelers who were uh, work essential... So we're considered work essential because our job is only here and we can't do it anywhere else. It's our only
1: source of income. Uh, It's our only source Uh. of
3: income. So we have to come here. And also with television, I believe uh, television, sports, and entertainment falls under essential Mm -hmm. services. And so we we were lucky enough that we were able to do that. But the honest truth is that like it's not as easy as it used to be because there's no flights anymore. Mm-hmm. So we actually have to drive out of town. We can't fly out of Ottawa anymore. There's only international wow. flights out of Montreal. Yeah. And, and there's then like there's, no, there's no directs. Wow. You miss it, uh, you're done. <laughs> at first, we were doing the uh, three connections, uh, and we were doing, like, we'd do, like, a flight to, uh, uh, I think it was Detroit. Flight to Detroit, then a flight to, like, Charleston then like a four hour layover to fly to then. So our days were like 20 hour travel days, but in the same time, it's the only time we were away from our home. So it was was, was freeing in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Is it better now? Yeah, it is a little better now, yeah. Yeah, now right now
1: we have, uh, so we still drive two hours to Montreal. Uh, but then we have a flight to, usually it's Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Jacksonville. Yeah. So our days are down to like seven, eight
2: hours okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a little better. It's Instead little of about. the, like, 90, Way better. Yeah. <laughs> and when you came back, were you slotted right back in with yeah. the Dark Order? Almost
3: instantly. Like, we came right back with Brody, uh, and instantly we were thrown into stuff with the Elite. And it was just, like, back to business, which was yeah. great because we didn't know if that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. I thought we might just come back and they would have no plans for but us but
1: we even though we weren't sure about that we still didn't take any chances that's when we kind of started doing the btes because we wanted to get as busy as possible mm-hmm. we wanted to be like hey we're here yeah look at us we want to sh- we want to showcase our personalities and also we were kind of worried for
3: uh alex reynolds and john silver because we were we were signed they were never signed and so they they were just extra bodies and so we thought if we do bte we can show all a bit a little bit of personality maybe that'll it All worked them. it yep. worked cuz look at where they're at now and look at where we're at now and honestly it's uh it, it was like a pivotal turn in in
2: our careers for sure. Now when we spoke last it was a week or two after Brody passed away mm-hmm. and it's been a few months now and it seems like the dark order as we I think we predicted this is mm-hmm. baby faces yeah. especially when you got negative 1 out there yes. and he's you know Gosh, last week, uh, Tay Conti was wrestling, and he's out there trying to do nip-ups on the on stage. The I'm, bumps, like, I'm like, yeah. someone's going to have to have a talk with this kid sooner or later. <laughs> but we we tried. <laughs> he, he uh, wow, he is, he's a lot. So do you, now that everybody's a baby face, is that the direction to go in? Is there time to maybe do a split at some point? I mean, I'm not sure what our our,
3: our full direction will be. I think, like, I'd love to keep this unit together almost like in tribute mm-hmm. I my, my ultimate goal from this is that there's a Dark Order in 10 years and that Lil Brody can wrestle yeah. and, and just yeah. take the throne and just beat us down and and like or if not that we can at least project him into what what will be his role then yeah, yeah Um, so I'd love to keep the Dark Order strong for the next decade does that mean we're splintering groups or anything I don't know right now I love every like Alex and John, we've been friends with for a while beforehand. We didn't know five and ten. We didn't really know Anna, and but now we're we're such a close group. We're such great friends uh, that, like, I want I want to, I want to grow our careers all together. You know, yeah. like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm much like probably like you and Doctor Luther. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I want to see those people succeed, and I, and I want to be there with them, and I want to do it right. with them right. as right. well. Yeah. And so. I'm hoping we stay a group forever and I think if, if that means we're good guys if that means we're bad guys whatever works works for us
2: that's cool because I, I bet like I know even with the thing that we have been doing with the inner circle I think we discussed this before like we all went to Vegas and it was like I don't really know Wardlow at all and you know Sammy's half my age but you get close with everybody where it's like this is a great group of guys yeah, to, yeah. to continue to work with you know mm-hmm. and there's no rush to have to switch it or move it or change it you know yeah, it's I mean? hard to
3: build a trust
2: with other people too yeah, once, yeah. once you
3: got that trust especially where we're like an 8 person unit which is tough to find 8 people that don't end up button heads right right, right. Uh, and so it's uh, it's been
2: very nice was it uh, not not hard for you guys cuz you've done both in your pros but, but dark order had so much heat as heels mm-hmm. and then of course brody passes and then by proxy your baby faces was it a pretty easy switch or i mean
1: i mean for us yeah it was it was organic so it just it just became natural right away at the Brody show, right there, like we felt at home. It kind of it was natural for us, so it, it there was no pressure for us to just turn babyface. It was just it it had to happen. The mm-hmm. the decade that we were
3: babyfaces as tagged helped a ton, but also like our BTE segments kind of de facto was making us mm-hmm. become ba- babyfaces yeah. because we were just becoming too loony and comedic so to the personality that, exactly yeah. and it's hard to be a, a, a bad guy that's extremely hated if you're on top of that relatable and funny you know Yeah. so um, it was very organic to us it wasn't too hard of a switch and I'm glad that it wasn't a hard switch for the peop- the viewers as well because mm. we literally like Early days of T V, we murdered a man in the woods. Like that's that's that was one of our segments, you know? So like and now now we're that's like right. Yeah, That's right. I forgot it. about that. Like, He's like a fat guy or something, exactly, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like stu- kicked him into a pit and then we a ton of people mauled him and probably We've never him seen him again. <laughs> exactly. So like I'm glad that even though if you if you told me we were baby faces uh, and you told me uh, we were going to be Bay Faces today a, a year ago. I'd be like, "There's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no with what we've done. There's no way." But uh, organically, we've gone there, and uh, I'm glad everyone's just along for the ride.
2: Yep. La- last few things. What are some of your favorite moments from the BTE? Like some of the more ridiculous things. Anything with Brody
1: was just awesome. Obviously, just because we had such a hard time controlling each other. Like we are getting more and more ridiculous and more insane because every time someone steps it up, then the next day someone goes even further and further. Mm -hmm. And with Brody, like we would do our shtick and it was pretty much the same recipe. We would do our shtick, Brody would walk in, yell at us, scream, and and then he would leave. But before that, he was looking at us, just laughing and laughing while we're trying to be idiots and Mm -hmm. whatnot. So every time he would come in and yell at us, it was just like, oh, my God, we have to not laugh. We have to. So every single moment with him was just genuinely awesome. And I think for me, some of my favorite bits is just the crazy bumps I take for Anna, I guess. I love doing those things <laughs> because it's kind of how we brought her, like, with more personality yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice. But, no, everything in BT, would just always have so much fun. All the stuff with Brody was fantastic. I, I loved, like, our, our uh,
3: paper throwing bit where he'd, like, welt me in the face with it. And I'd do, like, a Willem scream. And, like... The, the thing that was so great about it is, like, we were great friends, but, like, as a character, he doesn't seem like the type that would fit in a BTE bit, right. right? Because he's supposed to be so angry and stuff. So the fact that, like, he's the actual only successful one of this whole group and we're all fairly big losers, and so he <laughs> had, like, the way he had to talk down to us and all that, It organically, it just made it all work. And, like, I miss, I miss Brody immensely, and especially during those times, because, like, he had also told you this, this the day he won the TNT Championship. We were doing the, we did like a bit where we ordered chilies and like we were having the time of our life, but literally like we were sitting down eating chilies after filming our bit. And he's like, I think this is the night, this is the most fun wrestling day I've ever had. Mm. And like all of us were, so, and that's also the same weekend or the same week that uh, Alex and John had gone contracts and we were like on cloud nine. And, yeah. And we were just having so much fun.
2: Last question for you guys. You guys have had a lot of great matches over the years. Is there one of them that stands out as your, as your favorite match that you've had?
1: Of all wrestling or uh, just either, in general? Either or whatever. Uh, I think one that uh, launched us to the most success in the independent was that uh, ladder warfare, or whatever we had at PWG. At a trem- trem- a Tremendous. Tremendous, yeah. 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 So it was uh, ourselves against the Young Bucks against Future Shock, which is uh, Kyle Cole. O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Mm. And we had that insane ladder match, uh, which I think was match of the year or something. It was team. match of the year, at least for California. I don't know where. Something like wow, that. that's yeah. gay. So I think that's one, one of the, uh, in terms of memory, one of the best one. And as a single, I think I had a match. My, my very first name that I wrestled was uh, Kodo Ibushi when I was mm. 18 years old. Wow. And I loved it. Just loved it. He was so good. At an indie show? Yeah, in Oh, wow. It was the final of a uh, High Flower tournament, and I love the match. And now today, he's been my dream rematch, I suppose, mm-hmm. For since then, because now today he's well, He's the champion, He's right? the champion. Yeah, yeah. He's likely to be one of the best in the world. It has been for a long time. And I want to wrestle him because I want to prove I'm better than him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I want to get in the ring with that guy. Hopefully we can, yeah. Uh, mine is also
3: around the same time. Like... uh just before this three-way ladder match that everyone uh, loves, uh, we had a we had a, a no DQ tags with the the Young Bucks, which was the night we actually won the championships. Uh, and Kevin was uh, on commentary, so it made it like extra special. And so uh, it's from Death to All But Metal uh, in 2011 <laughs> for PWG, and just that's the match I remember when we were done. I was like, "We're we're good at this." Like that's yeah. the one where I realized it clicked like, yeah. Yeah, there it actually took until I thought I, I couldn't do it anymore for us to actually figure out that we were good at it. And like that was the very night where I was like, We could make something out of this and then of course like three months later yeah. we were flagged. But uh <laughs> but that's that's the one that deep down I think is probably my personal favorite match. You
2: guys have had a lot of ups and downs, man, but it's great to have you here and we gotta get ready for our next uh uh, fighting Oglethorpe street oh, hockey. We, gotta yep. oh, oh, sure. a, we got to win next time. We got robbed. We got. Lenny scored hard, that goal man. under the crossbar. Mike Posey's too stupid to know the rules of hockey.
3: <laughs> I'm going to spend the next uh, three months training for this next hockey loop we'll for ready, sure. Man. Oh yeah, we will win every Watch single game.
2: Stupid pylons. Thanks guys. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you.